I'm Claire O'Brien and you're listening to Good Honest Talk, a podcast for those in search of hope and health and harmony. This series will bring you practical tips, inspiration and honest conversation as we explore what it really means to be well. In this episode, we dive deep into the world of yoga with a truly inspiring individual. Joining us is Bear, also known as Rachel Bear, the vision behind the yoga house in Glenowill in County Waterford, a beautiful space she established back in 2006, where she offers online and in-person classes. We discuss the deeper meaning of yoga, how we can use the yoga philosophy to answer life's big three questions, and explore the physical, breathwork, and Ayurvedic elements of yoga, and not having to be bendy. The challenge of establishing an everyday movement or asana practice and the reward when we do. Bear opens up about how yoga has been a steadfast companion in times of anxiety, grief and stress, illustrating its transformative power as a tool for resilience and self-discovery. We also talk about finding vibrancy, spirituality, joy and kittens. So let's step onto the mat of wisdom with Bear and unravel the secrets of finding harmony and joy through the transformative practice of yoga. Hello, Bear. Hello. It's lovely to talk to you. You too. Thank you for having me on. I have a few questions for you that I would love for you to answer for me. Close enough to your heart anyway, in the way that you work and how you bring yoga and everything else into the world. Really delighted that you're going to answer them for me. <laughs> so I suppose the first question you had was, what is the real meaning of yoga and how do we practice it in everyday life? Okay, so... Yoga is a, is a philosophy or an ethos that deals with three burning questions. One of those questions is, who are we? The other question is, who, why do we suffer? And then the third question is, how do we alleviate that suffering? So yoga was devised as a way for us to be able to ask the questions in a practice-based way and then hopefully find some answers to those questions. There's lots of stuff in it. There's movement, there's breath work, there's meditation, there's even things like learning how to concentrate in a better way, more effective way. And there are uh, ways that we act with each other, self-talk, stuff that we can do to help ourselves and how we interact with other people. So. Yoga as a whole practice is really, really vast. To bring it into your everyday life is, is something that it, it takes practice. Like you can go to a weekly class, say, for example, and in a quick fixy kind of way, you can feel brilliant. We've all experienced it after a yoga class. You feel way better than you would before. Um, but in order to sort of sew it in or weave it into our everyday lives, it's important to, you know, engage in a little bit of the movement, mm work and clearing up the breath standard but also ask questions of yourself you know how how do i speak to myself and is it really crap or you know am i speaking to myself in a loving way and therefore it's much easier to ask our questions how are we with other people and so we're we're cleaning up our act really in general that's how we that's how we engage with it in our everyday lives we're sort of cleaning up our act and then we have our movement practices to help us. We know that when our bodies are healthy, it's easier for us to think clearly. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of a bit of everything. You're sprinkling it into the classes that you go to. Yes, but more importantly, in how you're just living your life, really. Does that does that answer the question? Yeah. yeah. So I suppose 
the perception of yoga for people who don't practice kind of the like the more in-depth practices who have maybe been to a class in a gym or have heard of yoga think it's about being flexible and bendy and jumping around and making contortionist movements over time or like touching your toes really easily but it's much wider than that so what you're ex- you were saying was like the big three questions is it not around jumping around the place being bendy yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you know there is Like there is an element definitely of becoming more vibrant and more strong and more flexible and you're safeguarding against injury or at the very least you're um, making a healthier, healthier version of yourself so that if you do get injured, you bounce back quicker. So there is definitely an element of that. Just when you asked me there, you reminded me of so many people have said to me through the years, I'd love to do yoga, but I'm not flexible enough. Like that's probably the most common thing that any yoga teacher will hear. Mm-hmm. It's flexibility is not a prerequisite. It's sort of a bonus that will happen over time when you are practicing. But it is, it's, it's a mixture of all the things. It's all the movements and it's learning how to just be with ourselves because it's very difficult in this world. Everything is so rushed. My God, it's just so stressy right now. Mm-hmm. And everyone is just... Um, under all of this pressure to be productive and so we've sort of lost the art of just being able to sit and be with ourselves and yoga helps us to do that as well because I would say from my perspective part of the reason why we're so stressed is that we we're not allowing ourselves to just have some us time some quiet time and to reconnect everything is on the outward we're really linking in with our outward world and kind of neglecting our inner world and that breeds it kind of begets more stress so yeah it of course I can understand why people think it is just the physical and as well as that because of the way it's often taught in in gyms for example that you would only get that small fraction of the practice you'd only get the physical portion and I can understand why that happens because it's very effective they're great movements they're really good for balancing the body but yoga as a whole is really a like a companion very cool and magical toolbox for for life just helping us to deal with the human condition i know from my experience coming to yoga very the very first time it was a mix of that kind of like meditation but also like a hip injury and trying to rehab it and like 10 years or more later like my hip is still injured like it's it's with me forever so if the goal for me was to be bendy and jump around the place I would have massively failed in my yoga practice by now. So it is really good to know that like you don't have to start off being flexible. You don't have to be bendy, but you do kind of have to have more of a flexible mindset, I suppose. Be willing to try and learn and do different stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. An open mind is is what's required, really. It's the only prerequisite, really. (laughs) And like one of the things that you talk about a lot in the classes is that idea of like ahimsa and like not doing harm, but also especially not doing harm to yourself and knowing when enough's enough Yeah, that we really struggle with. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, we, you know, I can understand because we want to do our best, but if it's at the cost of your own well-being, then it, it's just an interesting experiment to just sort of pull back and go, OK, I'm going to try here, but I'm not going to force. And that's really important. And ahimsa being, you know, non-violence, 
or do no harm or you know come from a place of love that's mm -hmm. such a helpful instruction for many of us because we haven't really been taught that growing up right. it's sort of revolutionary and it's a bit of a relief actually you know I'll do what I can do my best my best is different every day that old cliche but it's yeah. true yeah. and approaching it with a, with a kind of gentleness and you can still do really strong cool fancy stuff but you're approaching it from that mindset of gentleness, which is really important. And you talked about that, like gentleness of that inner voice off the mat as well. That yeah. yoga brings a lot of that, like the struggles of, you know, the suffering and, you know, being able to cope with the suffering. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. it's a, there are so many different levels of, of suffering going on, even just in one person. And some of the stuff we don't even know. We're we're just kind of painting by numbers sometimes trying to put one foot in front of the other. So it's it's good to have an inquiry and just to sort of touch base and see and see how you can heal, see how you can grow and learn. And a lot of people would run away from that stuff. They don't sit with it. They don't right. sit comfortably with it. Yeah. So I find that yoga really helps over years to like deal with it a little bit and then a little bit more yes. and then a little bit more yes yes yeah. yeah softly softly catchy monkey kind of thing yeah yeah because yeah. it's it's tough in there I'm pointing at my head it's tough in our heads you know it gets very complex sometimes and chaotic so it's just to yeah to be able to sit with the, the chaos and if somebody's coming in like expecting a, a bendy jumpy round thing yeah <laughs> and if there's a lot of that like you know level of you know detail of discussion around working on yourself it can be a little bit scary yeah yeah how do you deal with that as a teacher like i think there's a few different um a few different camps i think there are those of us who know that yoga is for self-improvement that's not to say that we're terrible and we need to improve it's just a, a way to become a better version of ourselves at our own rate i think there are people who know that self-work is an option but don't want to go there for whatever reason and i think there are people that um don't know that self-work is an option so when they come to a, a very trad yoga class where we're working on all of those things we're working on sort of knowing thyself psychologically as well as doing movements and different things there will be people who will come to one class and never come back because if they're presented with um the possibility that they can actually work in themselves and and evolve that scares the bejesus out of them and they and they and they will not come back so for the people who do stay but there's that kind of uncertainty um maybe that person hasn't had a chance to look deeply maybe she or he is so busy that there literally has been no time to look in but they're still intrigued by it and they stay on i'll try to like I'll never dumb down the practice. I'll try to present it as fully and wholly as I possibly can, but I will break it down if I realize that somebody is having trouble with kind of parsing through questioning, like a gentle inquiry to the, of themselves, like what's going on? Like literally the question, how are you feeling? Can be one of the most difficult things to answer because we're so, up in a heap all the time so how I deal with it as a teacher is if I detect that someone is having difficulty going deeply 
I'll try to simplify things. I'll try to simplify the teachings as much as possible. Um, I do pay attention. I know it's probably bad practice in terms of um, timekeeping, but I do pay a lot of attention to people after class as well. And I often get texts and emails asking specific questions. And I will mammy a little bit, Mm -hmm. particularly with the students who maybe have never had a taste of yoga before. They don't really know the philosophical aspects. And I'll just keep an eye on them and and just make sure that they're, they're getting it. Ultimately, it's the student's job to to try to understand as deeply as possible. Um, But I believe as a teacher, it's my job to make it clearer if they don't understand. And and then they can run. I'll give them the bat on and they can run with it. But yeah, I do. I do pay attention to to people who are having difficulty and try to make it a little bit more uh, clear what we're doing. There's also the group of people who see yoga more as a exercise with ujjayi breath Mm -hmm. so like those kind of like you know the biohacker bros and you know the kind of health span kind of longevity people who are just interested in living a long healthy life um and feeling you know good in old age and that's where it's coming from but some of it is a little bit like shortcuts to biohacking and stuff like that yes how do you feel about that as a trend yeah so that's a really cool question because there's two bits of me in in this one you know um the first one is as far as i'm concerned the more people doing yogic practices in the world the better so if people have not uh, had the opportunity to look east or in other words to look to the ancestral teachings for all of these things um then if it is being presented to us through biohackers you know in the west then brilliant because that means that people have access to information that they wouldn't have had otherwise the other part of me is like slightly smug and snarky and i'll say you know studies will show that the yogis had it right all along you know and i i think if you were to look at any um quote-unquote modern uh wisdom in terms of ujjayi breath in different breath work um methods and postures that look you know suspiciously yogic um that if you research back far enough or into enough yogic texts you will see that that's where those things were found you know certain breath work patterns were not invented in 1933. Thousands of years of study from the rishis who were the seers and the philosophers and yogis have led to, you know, all of these amazing pieces of information that we have um, at our fingertips today. So I think it's great. I mean, bottom line in summary really is that I think it's great that these practices are coming to the fore now and are are being consumed um, in a more mainstream fashion. What I wouldn't be so happy about is if people abuse them because there are certain breath techniques that if the body isn't ready or relatively sort of primed in terms of yoga, then it can be it can be even more destabilizing. So if somebody, for example, is doing breath work practices to find a good, healthy, stable baseline mm. and they are going to say maybe YouTube content uh, that is taught by someone who isn't a trained yoga teacher 
or they're maybe going to exacerbate a situation and, and make things worse. So it's really important if you are dealing with any of the practices that you're going to a properly qualified teacher and you're not just kind of gleaning like some like a YouTube short or something yeah. and then practicing something that your body might not. But it has to be worked on a case by case basis. You can't just throw a general thing at how many are we now? Seven billion people or eight, yeah. nine billion something. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not a one size fits all. So the, the teachings are there. And then ultimately you're you're coming to, you know, each student, depending on what she or he has going on. And you're teaching, you know, appropriate, imparting appropriate information um, person by person. Yeah. And like some of the breath work you have described as being like more suitable in the evening and not overstimulating and some things are better done in the morning or before like exercise practices um which all that context is missing if you're just looking things up on youtube or you're watching a tiktok video because it doesn't allow for context like yeah. those short videos on tiktok don't let's say don't do this if you have these conditions or if it's like after 8 p.m where you are yeah yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's. I think nuance is uh, inconvenient for people, isn't it? <laughs> so, so they just they're in too much of a rush, and yeah, you can just click on something, and you're not getting the the whole story often. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're doing it in the context of like an actual led practice, like if you're in a yoga studio or if you're in a, a class, then the person there has a relationship with you and knows about you and knows about like what you're conditions are like that you've declared them you know obviously knows what time of day it is um, yeah so yeah. it just makes it like more than just exercise with a certain type of breath yes absolutely and you're dealing with your energy you know you're dealing with your life force and you're dealing you know sensations obviously but on a more mm -hmm. subtle level your your feelings we all know when things are off you know yeah. and so you can on a certain day you can just go into your teacher and say look I'm knackered today. I'm a bit dizzy today. And then I will know, okay, let's not do this, this and this. So you can, it, it's even more intricate than case by case, then it's day by day. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it's good to be specific about things. Yeah. yeah. So if you're arriving exhausted, no sleep, didn't get to eat much, you know, all of those things, then you can just say that and be yeah. like, this is where my body is today. Or um, I'm menstruating today yes. and you know this is where my body is at and this is how I'm feeling yes yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. like there isn't like you said room for that kind of context in a lot of like content especially when you're, you're like you know really enthusiastically going this is amazing it changed my life try these three breath work you know practices every day yeah that people get like over enthusiastic at like when they discover something new and they try it all the time yes and it's to know the differences as to when that's helpful or not yeah absolutely like coffee is wonderful but you don't want 30 cups in one hour you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> so how has the practice of yoga enhanced your physical emotional spiritual and mental health over the years and i suppose what brought you to yoga as well yeah um, I will say in public with my right hand up that I would be an utter basket case if I didn't have a yoga practice. Um, it is definitely a great leveller. Uh, I'm prone to OCD, anxiety and very occasional, very occasional bouts of depression. But 
anyone who has any experience with any of those things knows that it's a lot to deal with and I'm definitely not alone. There's millions and millions of us. I have found that because yoga has so many legs to it, different dimensions to it, that even on days where you are suffering for whatever reason, I mean, you might have a flu and your nose is blocked. So the breath work might not be as appropriate. There are compensations you can make, but some days you're just too blocked up. And then you can work on other aspects. So you can work on just being mindful and you can be in the present moment and literally just say, well, my present moment involves a blocked nose, but just to be there and you need to kind of burn off some of that mitochondrial energy. You can work on a full on kind of solar flow practice where you're moving into planks and down dogs and lunges and, and it really helps you to level in that way. When you're feeling a little bit too stressy to, to sit still, those practices can be very, very beneficial, those physical practices. So for me, when I'm going through like whatever I'm going through, I'll tailor make the practice to be like medicine, just to sort of administer what I need from the yoga so I can manage. And with certain things, whether they're sort of energetic or psychological, there might not be a, a hard and fast cure, but there's loads of management tools that you can, you know, you can employ from, from your yoga. So yeah, for me, it has allowed me to stay steady. We all have a lot to deal with, so we need something that helps us to stay steady. I'm a little bit more connected to myself than I would have been, I think, if if I didn't embark on, on yoga. Um, the reason I started it was a very deep, kind of inexplicable feeling. It wasn't really a thought. I just sort of had this hunch or something that I needed to go to a yoga class and I hadn't read about it. I know a good bit now, obviously, because of my practice, my teaching practice, but I hadn't read any, I hadn't researched anything about it. And I just wanted to try it. And I was instantly hooked. And that was uh, 2000 and 2000 and the end of 2000 started 2001. I got into it for, for a feeling that I can't explain with my cognitive mind. And I stayed with it for all of these other reasons that it just it helps me be the best me I can be. It allows me to self-regulate. It gets me through the ups and downs. And it, it, it allows me to realize every day that it's important not to avoid the downs, mm. not to deny the downs, that there will always be these peaks and troughs, but rather just to work on all levels, physically, spiritually, mentally, energetically, to be as steady as you possibly can as all of these waves crash over us. That's that's what it does for me. And it's I espouse it to, you know, it, it, it works. It absolutely works. And try to spread the word to people who are interested so that they too can find some steadiness. But it does take practice. You, you got to do it regularly for it to be effective in that way. So like any medicine, if you take it every day, right. <laughs> it will work. Yes. And if you go for months without taking your medicine, it's not going to be effective. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like there has been, I suppose, some priests in the pulpit who've stood there and said, like, don't go to yoga class. It's, you know, mm. all religious and stuff but I know that it's not religious but how do you deal with kind of that in this day and age <laughs> yeah yeah and I had a, I, I did have a I was on the radio there a few years ago we were talking about this in Dungarvan because the bishop of Waterford uh, was was slating yoga you know and it was it was interesting to me I do think that if 
you are going to discredit anything without having first-hand experience with it. You don't know what you're talking about. And we can make assumptions about things that we haven't tried. But really and truly, you know, as a man of God and as a spiritual leader, I think he, he really should have maybe just tried a class first. You know, yeah. if I'm to practice compassion and and the effort to understand uh, why somebody would be so against yoga, particularly if they haven't got the direct experience with it. Mm-hmm is maybe a little bit of fear. It's not ecumenical, it's non-denominational, it's an ethos for living. I don't know really why somebody would be so fervently against it, like the lady doth protest too much kind of thing, Mm. other than some sort of insecurity or fear. My own father, who's no longer with us, physically anyway, um, was also a spiritual leader himself. He was a, a clergyman. He was the Dean of Lismore for many years. And he had absolutely no problem. He recognized that any kind of practice that helps you to stay steady uh, can actually feed an existing faith. Or if uh, somebody is agnostic or atheist or, or doesn't consider, consider themselves to be spiritual, it gives them the kind of steadiness that people who are spiritual have. So I think it's it's a huge... Okay, I'm biased. Okay, he's my dad, right? But, you know, I think it is a huge uh, marker. It's a, it's a good litmus test. When somebody is open to people helping themselves get better, that means that they are also, you know, a, a bigger man um, and someone who is magnanimous enough and broad of mind enough to to recognize that yoga is a way that you can get strong on absolutely every level and to to not to not accept someone's choice to do that for themselves and to be on the pulpit and to you know like the bishop of waterford was and to slate something that would if i was a member of his congregation i would be seriously questioning why i was a member of his congregation because that's a very limited it's a very limiting thing Uh, Now, I'm sure because actually a person who was um, part of his congregation comes to me and she expressed that she was, in her words, terribly cross uh, at what he had said. Um, So I'm sure anyone with with, you know, their feet firmly planted in the ground and and good intelligence will realize that, you know, when people are slating yoga, they're just speaking nonsense mostly, or else maybe there's some kind of fear that they haven't addressed within themselves. It doesn't make any sense. It's not going against Christianity in any way, shape or form. It's not going against any religion. It's just about love, self-improvement, answering the hard questions that come from, that emerge from the human condition. So it's, yeah, we come in peace. We come in peace. There's a huge like philosophy and tradition in yoga way beyond kind of the breath work and the physical practice. Like there's books and books and books of the ways of living, how to mind yourself, um, ways of working with nature. There's Ayurvedic nutrition as well um, and ways of living. And I suppose that's quite missed a lot in, in many yoga studios or in like I calling them studios on purpose rather than chalets where they like you are maybe only doing one or two aspects of of the yoga practice yes i think that a lot of the yoga classes that are presented to us in the west are actually incomplete there is just a heaviness on the posture and that's that and uh and people can have a great time 
I'm not knocking them. There's there's a there's a studio for everyone. There's a shala for everyone. You know, it's each to their own. I bet that a lot of people, if they if they knew that there was a broader spectrum to the subject of yoga, they'd thoroughly enjoy going to a more uh, holistic class. What is something you wish everyone knew? <sighs> Good recipe for brownies. Um, I think. Um, just in the context of yoga is that you do make progress. I think a lot of people don't truly believe that. They might hear it as a concept and they might think, yeah, if I practice this, I'll get better at it, but they mightn't really believe it deep down. And so what I've experienced in my own practice and indeed in my teaching practice is that if you are consistent, I know I sound really boring, if you are consistent, <laughs> it does actually benefit you. You'll find a, a depth to yourself and a connection to whatever practice you're choosing, be it yoga or otherwise. And it makes a difference, but you have to, you have to do something every day. Now, I think probably intellectually, people can understand that, but you don't actually get that depth of knowledge. It doesn't become that inner knowing or that wisdom until you actually do it. But you can't, you know, you can't just say this stuff works. Person could, if you could telepathically or like do it through dance or something, if you could just like transmit the message that it absolutely will work 1000 times more effectively if you're doing something every day. Mm -hmm. And as I said, it means, you know, not always are we able to do a strong physical practice or breathe with an unblocked nose or, you know, or focus very well, but you can always do some aspect of it. I wish that people deeply knew that it isn't a chore, that when you do it consistently, and it doesn't have to be epic at all, it can be literally 10 minutes a day. Mm. When you do it consistently, it magnetically pulls you to want to do more. Whereas if you attack it from only an intellectual perspective, you will think, oh, I have to do this thing. And then there'll be guilt around not doing the thing. Then a week will go by between the two classes you've attended and you're sort of back to square one again. You enjoy the class and then you say, that was brilliant. I'll definitely practice. Then you don't practice and then you're back to square one again. And it generates this sort of a kind of a guilt response. We don't need more of that. We have enough, certainly in Ireland, we have enough guilt. But I wish that people would just know that the magic actually is in the consistency. Uh, what you learn from yourself, you know, I'm, I'm a teacher, so I'm sharing the teachings of yoga and I'm hoping to give people information that can help them. But really and truly what you learn from yourself when you apply yourself daily, that's where the magic is. That's where the good stuff is. Yeah, in short, I, I wish that people knew having a daily practice of something is not a chore it's actually it, you can find so much joy and depth and and sparkly magic in doing that i can't quite put it into words um yeah but i wish i wish people would sort of know and believe that if you do come to the mat every day that's where the changes can happen it's not just a theory and it should never come from a kind of militant forceful oh, I push myself I have to do this thing I must do it and then you're just you're just going through the motions pun not intended without really letting it deepen the only way that people can find that out is is if they 
make the effort to come to the mat every day. Lovely wise words. Mm-hmm. Thanks very much. Um, what wise words have you picked up from someone else? Oh, amazing. We were doing a philosophy class the other day and I happened upon this quote, which I've written down so many times and I've shared it a good few times with students. And it's so lovely just to recap. It's by an Ayurvedic doctor called Vasant Lad. And he said, ultimately, you must knock on your own door and come home to yourself. And I just, I love that. I think that's the wisest thing. Now, it depends on where you're at. I'm not a great believer that chronological age means anything in terms of maturity. But if you're at any kind of level where those words make sense to you, I think that's that can be such, it's probably the wisest thing I've, I've ever heard. Ultimately, you must knock on your own door and come home to yourself. Because if we don't know ourselves, we can't really improve our situations or grow or learn properly. So yeah, that, that would be my favourite bit of wisdom I think that I've ever heard yeah so how do you come home to yourself like how do you mind yourself what's your kind of well-being practice for you yeah it's a work in progress for sure I have trouble with boundaries and um and I absolutely adore what I do I adore teaching but there's other kind of structures that need to be in place so that I can literally run a business and so there is endless admin now there's more tech stuff since all the covidian stuff we had to learn how to do much more online that's so time consuming there's individual attention which i actually adore doing and maybe that's a problem because suddenly it's 1am and you know i haven't had breakfast yet so it's kind of for me i need to be very watchful about the about how i spend my time and about how i do the things that support the teaching because i i want the energy for for being able to share yoga in a very meaningful way with everyone mm-hmm. Um, I don't expect everyone to be as nerdishly enthusiastic about it as I am, but I do want to relay and and share in a way that at least can inspire a little spark in people. Um, And if I overwork myself outside of the class timetable, then I don't have the energy for that. And in the same breath, I also don't have the energy for my own processes that I need to go through to, to just get through every day. So I'm working on just being a little bit smarter with taking breaks Uh, I said to a friend of mine a few years ago when she was starting to train to be a teacher take breaks even if you don't think you need them and I you know I'd be the first to admit that I was an utter hypocrite when I said that because I wasn't doing that myself and I went headlong into burnout and it's, it's not great so look hard lesson learned I am just making sure that I sort of lay the table in such a way that when I'm sharing the teachings and giving it welly in the shala in the classroom that I'm coming from a place where I am fed first and I'm grounded first and it's so important for me to not neglect my practice I'm on the mat every day so I'm I'm giving you know in in order to give to others I have to give back to myself or else it's it's depletion full-on depletion so yeah that's a that is a it's a hard one for me but I'm, I'm grappling it grappling with it a bit better than it was and outside of yoga are there other things that you do to look after yourself either physically or to bring you joy or you know just to make you feel good yeah forests yeah that's where I am if I'm not here I'm in the forest and I I lift a lot of weights I think 
it's good to the, the yoga postures are very strong in themselves but it's good for me it's good for my body i'm a woman of a certain age and um <laughs> and i just want to make sure that i i don't you know go down the path of osteopenia osteoporosis i, I want to make sure that i'm uh, that my brain has as much longevity as possible uh, as crazy as it is sometimes i want it to be <laughs> you know i want it to be strong and lifting weights uh, combined with the postural aspects of yoga helps me to to stay healthy on a you know on a neurological level as well as a um i was going to say bonular skeletal <laughs> skeletal level uh, as well as muscular level as well so yeah forest animals you know kitties puppies um and you know anything where i can just sort of switch off because i would be quite um a pinball energy kind of person i'm very like doing a little bit of something leaving it off then starting another little bit of something else leaving it off and in my own mind that all comes together and eventually i do finish everything but it's quite a stressy bouncy way to live so i like to do things that just help me to get out of that so yeah long walk in the forest good strong heavy weightlifting session my practice every day and uh yeah good relationships with Two-legged people and four-legged animals. Generally, that's it. Yeah. Oh, and singing loudly on my own though. And if people want to hear you sing loudly, <laughs> <laughs> okay. What if they just want to come to a yoga class? How will they find you? Yeah. So I'm still, even though Meta are trying to kick me off the platforms, they're still letting me on Instagram. So I'm on Instagram on um, under the Yoga House Ireland. My profile is still up on Facebook, but I'm not allowed to interact with it. Um, just on principle, I'm being a very stubborn old mule here. Um, but that, yeah, the. The profile is still up and that's The Yoga House. My website is theyogahouseireland.com. I'm on Google uh, and we're out here in, in Glenowillan, just outside um, the town of Tallow. And we're running workshops, classes, events all year round. We'll take a couple of weeks off for Christmas, but then we're back in again. Good. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Kate. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Good Honest Talk. If you have enjoyed this conversation, I would be really grateful if you could like, follow and subscribe or share this podcast. It really does help to spread the word and bring more real conversation to wellness and well-being. If you want to find out more about what you heard in this episode, visit honestgoodness.ie where you'll find detailed show notes. Also be able to find all of the content that I've created to help you feel well and reignite your inner spark.